Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And continuing the conversation we just had, Father, was all about the Holy Spirit. And it kind of came full circle with, if you want to focus on the Spirit, you have to focus upon Jesus and he will carry you the way. And one of the other things he said during that was, you want to focus on confirmation and baptism at the same time. But in our Catholic, we have separated it, uh, at least in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, until eighth grade. I was, prior to you telling me that they should be done right together, or at least in the Eastern Rites are done right together, I actually have a conversation on New Year about how we should push it back from eighth grade into high school um, to, to separate it more. Um, for a multitude of thoughts on that. But what I wanted to focus on here today is, is the gifts that you get in confirmation and why they're so important. So with that being said, if you have any initial thoughts to guide us here, father, let's, let's go down the right path here. Yeah. Uh, the, I think, I think it actually does help for us to approach this through the theme that we were taking up in the last podcast about our relationship with the Holy Spirit and when we when we speak with Jesus so uh, as we talked about if you focus on your personal relationship with Jesus you'll grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit because that relationship only happens in the Holy Spirit uh, now we could also say well we're, we're able to Somehow Jesus is able to live in me. Uh, we talk, we use that language. Mm-hmm. Jesus living in me. How does Jesus get into me? Well, if we think about humanity, you know, like I can't get into you, Joe, mm-hmm. right? You can't get into me. It's, if I if I stick my hand against your chest, it'll stop. Yeah. <laughs> because our bodies provide a barrier. We can't get inside of each other. Uh, in in this, you know. In this way, I will always be outside of you. The only exception to that is a baby in the womb. And even there, it's sort of physically inside of the woman. But anyway, there's there's certainly two separate beings. But how do we get inside of somebody? Well, there is a way that we get inside of somebody. Sometimes somebody says something to me, and I hear that. Uh, I remember when I took a... Uh, class in liturgy, and our liturgy professor, Father Kurt, said the preface of the Mass always has notes, musical notes next to it. It should be sung. And I can't tell you, practically every time I celebrate Mass, I see the preface, I see the notes, and Father Kurt's words come to me, it should be sung, and then I sing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, there's a way, this is a, a little bit funny, but there's a way that Father Kurt is living in me. Mm-hmm. The spirit of Father Kurt is living in me. And now, Father Kurt is not actually living in me, and he has his own consciousness, he's somewhere else. But uh, <laughs> yeah. there's a little bit of his spirit that is living in me. And we, we use that language, the spirit of someone. So, how do I come to know Jesus more? Well, if Jesus is living in me, and that's going to be his words resonating in me, but now, in a way that Father Kurt cannot live in me, Jesus actually can live in me because his Holy Spirit 
is a separate living person. And what the Holy Spirit does in me by speaking to me, kind of like those words I remembered from Father Kurt, but when the Spirit of Christ is living in me, there are new words that are coming to me. There are ways that his strength starts to fill me up. There are ways that his Jesus can live in me in a way different from how Father Kurt can live in me because the Spirit of Jesus is a living person. And so not only do some words that I heard in the past, like I said, the Spirit of Father Kurt is living in me, the Spirit of Jesus provides new words in the present. And furthermore, the, the strength of Jesus or the, the wisdom of Jesus or the, the understanding of Jesus or the love that Jesus has for the Father, those things can start to fill me from the inside. And in this way, Jesus is living in me. That's what, the, that's what the Spirit of Christ does in me. That's what the Holy Spirit does in me. It starts to communicate, actually make real the, the qualities, of, these different qualities of Jesus. And that way, I start to become more like him. I start to think more like Jesus. I start to act more like Jesus. That's the Spirit of God living in me, at work in me. And so that becomes, uh, that deepens my knowledge of Christ, and it transforms my person, and it makes me more divine. Now, what I just described for you are the gifts of Holy Spirit, wisdom and strength, counsel and piety, fear of the Lord, and uh, fortitude, and understanding and knowledge. So those are actually the qualities of Christ that the Spirit of Christ begins to communicate in me, present in me, ways that he transforms me from the inside. Yeah, and then each, each of them individually each have a very strong impact. And, um, yeah, yeah, so uh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off there, just the, the kind of marveling of it, which is in part why I don't get why we don't make it happen later in life. Um, but that's a, a side question there. Well, actually, that's that's the that's entirely the point. Why would we wait till later in life when we could have that earlier in life? Well, my point would be you understand it more. You know, you, you understand the value of of the the, the strength of them. You know, the uh, so that that's the I guess the religious argument about why I say it later in life, and then from the practical, at least in the diocese I'm in, part is it seems to be. As a very general rule, a confirmation is when all kind of formal religious teaching stops, um, unless you go to a Catholic high school or Catholic college. Um, and that is a different problem within itself, but that just is the two kind of barriers that I was thinking about why it would make sense to put it on the later in life. Because, you know, the value of wisdom means something a whole lot more after you've started to experience personal freedoms. You know, when you're in middle school, you don't really have any personal freedom. I mean, you really break it down. You know, you're getting whatever mom made for dinner, the temperature of the house, whatever dad wants it to be. And you don't really have much choice with pretty much anything. You're kind of in a segment portion of life. And I think that there's just a lot more power in it whenever you're actively on your own, or at least more so on your own, not to say you're fully on your own in high school, but... Um, more so down that road than in the cocoon, if you will. So I don't know if any of that made sense or if it's even a right thought, but that was, I guess, my, my starting thought there. 
Well, the uh, the the problem is that the wisdom of Christ is different than my wisdom. And so the wisdom of Christ is something that the Holy Spirit begins to communicate in me. Again, just uh, my, my analogy with uh, the spirit of Father Kurt is a little bit silly, but, but it's still illustrative. I think, we, mm-hmm. I think you understand what I'm saying when, when you hear somebody's voice kind of come up in different situations. Uh, people have said that about me. I give them spiritual direction, and they say, oh, I'm channeling my inner Father Boniface. You know, they're play, they're being playful about that, but in a particular situation when they're thinking about doing the wrong thing, the voice of Father Boniface comes into their mind, and the spirit of Father Boniface it inspires them in some way. And so, uh, if we, if the spirit of, of Christ is alive in us at an earlier age, then it can start to do all of that at an earlier age. It can start to give us Christ's strength and Christ's wisdom and Christ's understanding and Christ's love for the Father and Christ's reverence. And it can start to give all of that in an earlier age. If you could have that in an earlier age, why would you want to wait until a later age? So that's, the, uh, that's the insight into it. In terms of the practical thing, the pastoral thing, you're exactly right. If religious education is going to stop at confirmation, then let's be confirmed on our deathbed. I mean, you yeah. know, but that's, those things are not connected. That's simply a, a pastoral application that is, uh, is easily amendable. Uh, like I said, in the Eastern Rites, they, they administer confirmation at baptism, at, at, you know, for babies. So um, there, is a, there is a point to having that sacramental moment to capture conversion. There's one theologian who points out that in the early church, uh, a part of baptism was always conversion, and the by by baptizing babies, we removed that element of conversion as a kind of constitutive part of baptism, as an essential part of baptism. And so, confirmation could be capturing that kind of conversion part of baptism. We could delay confirmation until the person is really willing or ready to have a conversion. Mm-hmm. That's part of the issue that you and, and many others have seen is that at age 13, that person doesn't even know if they want to still be Catholic. I mean, they're kind of half and half about it, or they're just going through the motions, or is it, has a, a conversion really taken place? And that's sort of what moved some Protestant uh, denominations to delay baptism, was to wait until that conversion takes place. The Anabaptists of a, a variety of, uh, you know, the, the Amish, the Mennonites, the, uh, some forms of Baptists, the, a lot of these different uh, denominations delayed baptism so that that conversion could really be a part of it, that the person says, yes, I am Christian, I have a relationship with Jesus, and I want to move forward in my faith, and so now I'm ready to be baptized. Now, that's a different approach. That's not our understanding of baptism, but, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, I'm just rattling on now. Well, no, I, I, I guess I see both sides of them making sense from the practical standpoint in that in the beginning of the church, there wasn't Christians having, there wasn't enough of them to get to the critical mass that we're at today. So therefore, to grow the faith, inherently you were bringing in people from other denominations, uh, Judaism or whatever else was going on back in the day 
and bringing them in. Um, you know, that was part of the audience that they were reaching out to. You know, Luke was reaching out to the non-Jews, and I think it was Matthew directly was reaching out to the Jewish base as far as their their initial target audience, and that makes sense. And it also makes sense as far as what you were saying, as far as why would you want to delay this and push this off? So as soon as you, know, you have a chance to have the baby and get it baptized, that makes sense. And maybe it's more so a, a, a failing on the godparents or the adults around the baby who's baptized that's uh, that's creating the, the the problem that we're in here. Um, so I, I guess I understand both sides of it and don't really see how how it could go any other way. Really, um, you know, as far as you've hit the point where just statistically there's a lot more Christians than non Christians. So therefore, most of your baptisms are going to happen to people who are children of Christians. And that's going to be wanting to happen right away. So that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. So uh, so I, I guess as far as, as a follow-up question to that, um, is there any way to kind of recapture that in adult life? I know that this cast, that's one of the goals of it, one of the things we're trying to do. But are there any more, aside from just listening to us as you're on your way to work um, on Tuesday mornings, is there any more that, that we can kind of put out there to, to grow it as a community as large and, and how to do that? Great question, yeah. Uh, and to go back to your original thought about delaying confirmation until there's understanding, uh, I want to seize the, the good insight that's there, the truth that's there, that our understanding and our free choice made a difference. No question about that. But this is a kind of classic image that people use. If you think of chocolate milk, right? So you pour milk into a glass and then you pour the chocolate syrup in there. Mm -hmm. Do you have chocolate milk now? No. Because the syrup just goes to the bottom, and you have, basically have milk until you get to the bottom, and then you have chocolate syrup. <laughs> In order to have chocolate syrup, you need to actually stir that so that the chocolate spins all throughout the milk. In this analogy, milk is our humanity, and chocolate is the, the divinity, is Christ, is the spirit of Christ. So not only does it need to be poured into us, that's what happens at baptism, and at confirmation, essentially, divinity, the spirit of Christ, is poured into us. But it's got to get stirred. And stirring is our understanding and our free choice. We have to let that divinity flow throughout, stir it throughout our entire life. And that's where we need to use our, our superior human qualities of intellect and free will. We need to use those uh, dimensions of ourselves to, to stir that. And that's so much of what you are doing, Joe, well, I'm doing also, but mm -hmm. kind of what generated this podcast, too, is you started stirring those things into your life, and you're like, wow, life is a lot better when I actually live in this, you know, with the mind of Christ, and I try to uh, carry out his will in my life, and how can I do this better, and how can I do this more? So it's that stirring process that's always necessary in uh, as, we, as we grow in our faith, and uh, that's that's what we need to do as as adult Christians. Yeah, and 
I'd like to figure out how more to articulate the tangible benefits of it because they're real. And I think that coming from a direct sales background where I've always made my money selling something, you know, I've never really had a true nine to five job. Um, in sales, essentially people buy something because they either want it and it'll make them happy or it will avoid something that will make them sad and unhappy. Very black and white kind of core things with a billion nuances in between. And I think that as you go through life and you don't do that stirring action you just described, you can feel something falling apart. You know, all that syrup sinking at the bottom. And in the beginning, when you start stirring up and trying to get closer, it's going to just take away some of the bad feelings that are just accumulating that you may not have realized they've accumulated. Um, I know that you've mentioned this before in one of our prior casts that you see people who said that in the beginning of their confession, it has been a very long time and you can just see them experience relief as, as they're leaving and I think that this is the same concept in in a more daily fashion, in a more continual fashion, that that leads you to a not sin as much. Um, so that that's always a good thing, but also just kind of have a, a. It starts by having less of the negative around you, and it just continues to to get better and better. That aspects of your life that you don't really. Notice we're there, that we're bringing you down or gone, and once that momentum starts, it really takes off. So that was one of the thoughts there, and that was kind of the thought I had with why it would make sense to push back the confirmation. Of course, granted, my primary thought behind that is something you said, which can be altered at about a 10-second decision from a priest. We're just going right. to... You know, keep the uh, the religious education portion going. Um, Let me just make a, a quick comment about that, though. The, uh, so again, the idea that we would give all of those sacraments at the earliest possible moment is the idea that we want to pour as much chocolate in there as we can, mm-hmm. and now we have to be committed to that stirring process. And it, what you're if I can fold this into my analogy, what you're saying is, well, if we, that the the sacrament of confirmation also involves a kind of stirring process. We yeah. all experience that pastorally. When we're preparing for confirmation, the kids get a little bit more intense about it. They make a retreat. There's a, a consciousness that, like, this is a big deal. And so it sort of facilitates that stirring process. Uh, there's an advantage to that at a little later point in life. However... That need not that cannot be the last stirring process that we ever go through. Yes, that's the downside, and we can't just keep reapplying the sacrament of confirmation. So, we we need to have another kind of process that we keep regularly stirring. And this is one of the things that's come out of the the Catholic charismatic renewal. The Catholic charismatic renewal focuses on baptism in the spirit. Now that gets confusing because it uses the same word baptism, but it captures this idea that you're talking about of the stirring process. Maybe we could call it confirmation in the spirit, 
not a sacramental one, but just the stirring part of the confirmation, just the stirring part of the baptism, that by going through the baptism in the spirit formation, there's a kind of process that leads to a culmination of people praying with us. It's not a sacrament, but it's a stirring. And furthermore, we can be baptized in the spirit many times, as many times as, as we want or as we need. We keep revisiting that stirring process. Uh, baptism in the Spirit is one way to do that, and there are other ways. I mean, the consecration, the Marian consecration is another one that people have found very helpful. I'm going to spend 33 days preparing for this deeper relationship with Our Lady and encountering through her Jesus. And that 33-day preparation and then the consecration, again, becomes a kind of stirring process that we get into some of that divinity that was still in syrup form at the bottom of our chocolate milk glass, mm -hmm. and that we stir that up into a fuller uh, mixture of our lives. So having some stirring processes is really important. Retreats also work this way, and um, you know, parish missions, and there are a lot of things in the life of the church that can work this way. Even visiting other people's sacraments, going to somebody else's confirmation, going to somebody else's baptism, becoming a godparent, all of these have a way of be, being a stirring process that I stir that divinity into a, a more a thorough dispersion and uh, you know participation in my life. And, and that makes sense. Um, what one of the things that over the course of doing all these casts we have um, is that we did that portion on how to pray, probably about six months ago now and the one thing that that you always said was just do it the whole portion back and invite all the listeners to go back to it was my question was always how but one of the starting points you said was just disconnect and step away even if you're not saying anything if you're just putting yourself in a place of quiet mind about how things just start coming into your life. Um, there's so many of us out there that don't plan or think ahead at all. And we're just circumstance of life. Just keep you running to another thing, another explosion, another, this is the most important thing on the planet. And we don't regularly sit back and settle. And even if it's just for a couple of moments, you know, at the, uh, that, that you consciously put into your day, it's amazing how, that begins to work and whether you realize it or not that settling is it's going to be even though for the analogy it's counterintuitive but that is part of the stirring process it's the first part um think of it as that's going to yeah. grab the spoon is, the, is so you can stir it and mm -hmm. that was yeah. i think one of the the biggest things that that out of that segment of cast that we did that you need a starting point, you know. Mm. You just don't start going running a marathon without getting a pair of shoes. And I think that settling is the starting point for all of us. And all of us will have their own unique way of figuring out what's what's best, you know, um, whether it be the cause of some problem in life or just something that is coming to you that you should figure out how to get out in terms of a message mm -hmm. or something. So – that's, I guess, what I'm also trying to articulate out there is, is with this whole thing and, and really how to 
continue that message. Message. I know that the college I was at was Catholic college, and there was a big emphasis on on that. But even that being said, you had to want to go to it. And if you were coming from the mindset of all the way, all the way through eighth grade, I was forced to go to this. What there was no personal buy-in as the child to do it. It was more or less mom took us here. We have to go to the classes. Um, I even saw this with going through the, the marriage portion of the classes. There were, there were people there who were only there because they were forced to be there. Um, they wanted to be married, but they, for the church portion, they were, they were forced to be there and how to turn that begrudging. I have to do this into something you want to is you could, I mean, you could just tell in the class the 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 people who were taking that mindset versus not, and in my mind, the benefit that you got therefore out of it. Um, so, I, I guess that's might be the the second portion of how to to unravel this this equation of the goal of this cast of how to get people closer to God is, um, and that's probably something I was taking for granted that everyone would just innately want to. Um, and that's why I always like to try to focus on tangible everyday things. You can see the benefit. And if you can see the benefit, you're going to want to do it more often. But I guess the more I figure this out, people don't always inherently do what's best for them. It's just the thing. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. And I think that this is, is part of it as well. So I know that I just kind of went on a tangent there. It was kind of away from the concept of the gifts of the spirit. Um, but that was something that, that came to me and something that, like, as I said, I was talking about that New Year's Eve. So um, just just a thought and kind of want to see if you have any yeah. comments on, on here as we're drawing towards the end of end of the cast here today. Yeah. Yeah, we have to not only use our minds, but also our free will. And at the same time, uh, as we use our, our freedom, we can we can continue to develop our our minds, but those are those are the two big pieces of it: is our our knowledge, and then our choice to put it into action. It's not only the word; it's the word made flesh, as it gets enfleshed in our actions. We need to know the will of God, but we need to also do the will of God. And the more that we know it, which is your uh, presumption, and I think it's the right one, the more that we see clearly the more we will be motivated to do it because we will see that it's good and we're attracted to the good. The more that we do the good, the more we will want to know how to do more. And so then we ask those questions. And so you and I are only providing the, the knowing piece and our listeners have to make the choice to actually try it. You know, if this is just a, a bunch of words that get you kind of feeling good about yourself for a few minutes and then it disappears into nothing and doesn't change your life, then it's not worth probably worth your time. But if it's something that is moving you to try something, to put it into action, to put it into practice, uh, we can't do that for anyone. Mm -hmm. They have to they have to decide to do that on their own. But uh, yeah, we. So again, the church provides this the sacraments. You know, provides the chocolate, provides the syrup, and uh, but but it can't provide the decision to stir that. It can provide occasions that people can participate in, and and we really should do that more. Um, but everybody 
I can't stir someone else's chocolate milk. Yeah. <laughs> really extend this analogy way beyond its usefulness. But, uh, <laughs> but you, everybody has to, has to make that choice for themselves, and, and we do that in, in various ways. And I love the reminder that you give us in terms of prayer. Uh, try it. Just do it. Set aside some time and just intentionally sit with God. He is with you, but be, but be aware of that. Know that He is with you and sit with Him and clear out the other stuff. Settle your mind and sit with Him. Be with Him. And stuff starts to happen. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's a perfect closing note here for today's cast. Again, thank everyone out there for listening. And please continue to follow us on Father and Joe. Please retweet us whenever we're letting people know about the new episodes. Continue to click subscribe to the cast and continue to rate us and leave the great reviews that you have. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Father, for allowing this to happen here today. And we'll see everyone next week.